And good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 3. We are going to be finishing up our series on pleasing God. Been looking, <coughs> excuse me, at a number of scriptures in the Bible that uh, speak clearly about pleasing God. And uh, don't let me bother you. Uh, and so we've been examining these scriptures uh, individually. And so we're going to see the final one today, which is pleasing God through submission. All right, let's get some uh, scriptures here. Brian and uh, Deblois is going to read Matthew 3, uh, 13 through 17. Just go ahead and read the whole thing. Josh Wright, read 1 Thessalonians 4. Verse 1. Okay, got lots of uh, scriptures here. Uh, Stephen, you're going to read uh, 2 Peter 3 9, Sam, Luke 19 10, uh, Al Herman, Mark 3 11, uh, Dennis, read uh, Mar uh, Luke 4 28 through 30, Matt, Isaiah 14 13 and 14, uh, Kelly, Genesis 3, 6, Steve Garfield, Ma uh, Matthew 16, 21 and 22, Ryan Singleton, Philippians 2, 20 and 21, and Mick Woodcock, Ezekiel 22, 30 and 31. Let's get, first of all, the launching scripture. The last time, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. Josh is going to read that. The Lord Jesus, that you should abound more and more Okay, Paul writes, he says, when I was your pastor, I taught you clearly how to walk and to please God. And so our point in using that scripture is that the will of God in, in pleasing God can be known, which is why we've been looking at these scriptures. Okay, here's our final lesson. Matthew thir uh, 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and sent to him, Permit it to be so now, thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Then when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and enlightened upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Okay. Pleasing God through submission. Let's uh, look at our first thought. I want to talk about the issue of self-interest uh, for a moment. The Bible speaks and talks about the will of God. God has a will. And uh, that means that there are things that He wants to happen on earth and uh, wants to happen in people's lives. We, we see that much of this revolves around redemption and the salvation of sinners. The Bible speaks that this is the will of God, what he wants to happen. Second Peter 3, 9. Okay, that this is the will of God. He doesn't want, not willing, that any should perish. Now, that is not what he wants, but rather what he does want is that people should come to repentance. Luke 19, verse 10. All right, this is clear a clear statement of, 
Jesus Christ, God in the flesh on earth. The Son of Man is come. This is my purpose, is to seek and save that which is lost. Okay, so that is our... Uh, we understand that that is the will of God. If that is the will of God, we know that the enemy would like to stop the will of God. But clearly in the Bible, the devil does not have the power to stop God's will. Mark 3, verse 11. Okay, this is the reaction, unclean spirits. These are demon powers. That they came in direct contact with Jesus Christ. They would love to stop the will of God. But here's a common reaction. They bow. In other words, they did not have the power to. Luke 4, 28 through 30. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built. That they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Okay, here is uh, now uh, people inspired from hell. And uh, they are wanting to destroy Jesus Christ. He does a miracle in the, the synagogue. He begins to explain who he is. And they grab him as a mob. They're going to throw him over a cliff. And you just see in the rendering here, <laughs> it seems... Uh, uh, innocuous, but the Bible says he passing through the midst of them went his way. In other words, this was supernatural. Their intent was to harm him, inspired of hell. They want to stop Jesus Christ and his work, but they're not able to. He's able to miraculously uh, go through. So if, if the devil cannot stop uh, uh, the will of God, and if uh, demon-inspired people can't stop the will of God, what is it that can stop the will of God? The things that God wants, what is it that can stop? Twister? Ourselves. Uh, uh, people, all right? Ourselves. We can stop the will of God. So how would that be possible? Brandon? Okay. Disobedience can be one of the issues. Yes, Kelly? Okay. All right. You pick, you pick up on that quick, Kelly. You're very sharp. Uh, okay, <laughs> next time I'm going to change the name just to see if you still get it there. Okay, this is true. The Bible speaks about the problem of self-will or of self-interest. Literally, it is when people place their selves at the center of their decisions. That is what it's talking about. I'm going to make a decision and the determining factor is going to be me. It's going to be my desires or what I want. Isaiah 14, 13 and 14. For thou hast um, said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt the congregation to the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Okay. I will ascend above. This is, uh, of course, uh, uh, speaking of Lucifer. That he is in heaven, he is fulfilling his role and his purpose as a created being. But there is something here in uh, uh, in his heart. He says, I will ascend above the throne. And that becomes the crucial factor. The throne was the place where decisions were made. A king would sit upon a throne. He would make decisions. And the devil says... I will ascend above the throne. 
In other words, God is not going to determine my decisions. I will determine my decisions. And the problem is that this same spirit, when uh, human beings began to sin, this is the essence of sin, is placing our will above the will of God. Genesis 3, uh, verse 6. Okay, this is the first uh, sin when she saw that it was uh, uh, desirable and uh, pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom or to make you wise. In other words, there's something I want. I don't have to have God determining my choices in life. And so she chooses to place self-will above God. Matthew 16, 21 and 22. Okay, this is the uh, the turning point of Jesus' ministry. You see that his uh, ministry is divided in the Gospels into uh, really three very clear sections. There's the teaching, the preparation stage. This is popularity. Uh, then here is the turning point. He begins to explain that the will of God is sacrifice. The will of God is going to be costly. I am going to not to be the conquering king and give you all great jobs and uh, wonderful pensions, but instead uh, it is going to be sacrifice. It's going to cost. And so Peter, think about this. Jesus Christ, this is God in the flesh. God says, this is what I want to happen. And Peter says, God, you obviously haven't thought this through. God, you are not thinking clearly. Let me help you. I know better than you, God. Jesus replies and says, get behind me, Satan. This is inspired from hell. So Peter is not speaking out of concern. This is not, this is not his compassion. Jesus, I'm, I'm worried for your health. He's worried about his power and his money that he, he was mistakenly thinking they were going to get. And so here he is resisting. Get thee behind me, Satan. You are now trying to do the devil's job for him. You're trying to stop the will of God because of self-interest. So this is what happens when we allow self-interest to rule in our hearts. We do what the devil can't do. Demon power, see Jesus. They can't stop him. They bow down. But the devil would like to stop the will of God. People can do what the devil can't. In other words, we help the devil. We do his job for him. And uh, that is that we stop the will of God. Philippians 2, 20 and 21. Okay, but Paul is writing. He had <laughs> experienced great uh, revival. In, in Philippi, he writes to this congregation. He says, there are needs, there are things that you need, and I really would like to help you. But he says, the problem is I don't, I can't find anybody who is like-minded or shares my spirit who will care for you. The Bible says, for all seek their own and not the things of God. In other words, 
People are making decisions about their time, about their money, about relationships, about career, about the future, about ministry, about all kinds of things. And the Bible says the problem is self sits on the throne of their heart and rules and makes the decisions. What is it am I going to do with my time, my future, my uh, my life? Uh, what am I going to do for other people? Not what does God want? Not what is the need? The issue is, what am I going to get out of it? They're seeking their own. And so selfishness, he says, unfortunately, I can't do what I want to do for you. I can't help you because self-interest is ruling is the center of their decisions. Ezekiel 22, 30 and 31. It's not for a man to Okay, this is uh, one of the uh, very profound scriptures in the Bible. God is speaking about uh, uh, the land. He's talking about people who are facing judgment. They're facing destruction. This is going to be terrible. Nations are going to come in and conquer them. There's going to be unbelievable suffering and and uh, uh, torture and death and all kinds of problems. God says, I want to save these people. That is my will. I don't want to judge them. I want to be saved. I want them to be saved. But he says, but I couldn't find anybody who would stand in the gap. In other words, people who would care enough and would cry out and pray. He says, because I couldn't find people, judgment is going to come. And that is not what I want to happen. That's very profound. People were missing. Why? Because it would take time. Who knows what the issue is? But it is self-interest. And when self-interest rules, it blocks or stops the will of God. Okay, let's open for questions or, or comments uh, at that point. Uh, Bear. Good. I don't forget if you didn't hear that. He's talking about in in Iraq, a soldier who uh, uh, covered a, a grenade or explosive device with his body, and he had been talking with his friends before, saying that he had decided that uh, that's a possibility of that happened. That was what he was going to do. Very good. Is we decide things in advance, Woody? So why don't, how do we get into then the idea that uh, we have the example of, of Jonah, who not only 
not even through bumbling or inattention or or mistakes or, or you know, just human failures. Now, willfully, in your face, God, I'm not doing what you told me to do. I'm going in the opposite direction. And God still, even through that absolute hard-headed, stubborn, willful disobedience, God is still able to bring them around. To the very end, he wasn't into doing it. Still able to bring him around to, to make sure that his will was accomplished with that. So, how did you know? We have that example, and then we have the other idea that you know, we got people of God can be thwarted. So, how? Do, what's what's the difference? Where where do we find you know that, that the will of God can actually literally be subjugated due to our will? But but then you have this example of Jonah, who somehow God was still able to bring about what He wanted to do, even even through an extremely willful. Yeah. Um, okay. So, how do we we have the example um, of of the scripture we just read, which is uh, the will of God is stopped, and then you have God who uh, he almost forces Jonah to to do his will. Okay. So God won't make you do his will; he just make you wish you did. <laughs> and and that is uh, that is true. So. Uh, well, there are there are numbers of, of different issues. Is that there are um, you have uh, a national identity that God has determined. Let's say it's the Jews that He has determined they will be saved ultimately. Okay, so but you can't when you when we read there that that His people will be saved. That does not negate all of the thousands of years of God's people who have not been saved. You see what I'm saying? So there, uh, there can be a national identity. And as I want these people to be touched in this area. So someone says, no, I'm not going to go. God's will, he may have to get another person. We have um, uh, Mordecai's words to uh, Esther is that God has chosen you. But if you don't, then God may have to get deliverance from another place. That may be true, but let's keep in balance here. It may take some time to get somebody else there, right? So then what happens to all the people who should have been hearing and died in the meantime, right? So God has uh, his purposes that uh, you can't confuse with individuals and national because the national, he will, he will work his will one way or the other, or in an area, we could say. But the problem is human will in the meantime. What happened to all those people in the meantime, individually? So I think that's a, that's a, a healthy way to, uh, to balance that out. And so we have seen, there, there are places that I've seen that are very open to the gospel, but people have refused. They will not respond or they go, but they don't do right, as the case may be. And so the issue is that... Uh, God has to get ultimately later on down the road, years on down the road, it turns and you got to get somebody else. But what ha there are people who were dying, going to hell all the time. You see what I'm saying? So that that kind of gives us a balance in the meantime. Carol? Lester Summerall uh, had a similar experience that Jonah did. And he said that God was going to destroy Nineveh. And that's what he Preparation for funeral and 
So he, so God knows how he can get somebody to say yes. And so that, now it's a fact that he did not want to preach the gospel of God in the process of him to change his heart. Yeah, so God can, you know, God has ways of bringing pressure, but ultimately there are people who still say no. They will not, so. And uh, we have a loss. Go ahead. Yes. Yes, we have several examples. You have the um, was it was it Nazareth where it said that he wanted to do many mighty miracles but he couldn't because of their unbelief. That's a choice. Um, seems like in Psalm seventy-eight uh, they limited the Holy One of Israel. So yes, human will is a profound uh, profound issue. Yes, that, that, that's and so that. Don't don't ever lose sight of the fact that there are uh, there are people. Every one of you here, there are people that God has ordained that someone be saved because of you. And so, when we don't do the will of God, it's not simply man. The program limped a little bit. Is that there are very real um, life and death issues of of people and their salvation where they live. Where they die, so that is a profound issue. Yes, so human will is profound. Okay, let's move on. I want to get some more scriptures? Uh, maybe over here, Hugh. You want to read John one twenty nine, uh, Woody Senior, Isaiah fifty three seven, Don Galati, John six thirty eight, Louis, uh, John four thirty four. Uh, who's over here wants to read Adam? Uh, John 5, verse 30, Devon, Matthew 3, 13 through 15, uh, Brian, Philippians 1, 24, Wayne Cook, can you please read Philippians 2, 4, uh, Corey, Romans 12, 10, and uh, Tim Miller, uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. So let's talk... Secondly, about the so if it's true that self-interest stops the will of God, then let's talk about submission. Jesus lived in submission to God's will. The Bible speaks and calls him the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. And part of the, the reason why it says that, uh, of course, because he's going to be a sacrifice, but because his life was laid down in submission to the will of God. John 1, 29. Okay, he identifies him. He says, the Lamb of God. The idea here is uh, he is a man. He has human choices, human will, but he's going to voluntarily lay that down and submit instead to God's will. Therefore, he becomes the Lamb of God. Isaiah 53, verse 7. Okay, uh, here is, this was a choice. Um, you know, imagine, imagine when people are, uh, when people are uh, harassing you or mocking you or giving you problems. Imagine if you had all of the powers of God at your disposal. 
right? This is why, like, in, in cartoons or movies, these cars that have rockets in it, there's a reason why we don't have rockets in our vehicles, because there would be nobody alive around us, right? So here is, here is Jesus Christ is talking about in his submission. He has all of the powers of God at his disposal. Is I, I want people to be saved. And you have these puny earthlings who are mocking you. And you can say the word. The Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being. In other words, we breathe because God says so. So this guy, this guy is coming up. He's coming up to smack you in the face. And, and you could say, you don't breathe anymore. And he won't. The Bible says he opens not his mouth. Why? Because there's a higher will. There are things I could do. I'm not going to do that because I want the will of God. So this was not just in his death. This is his entire life. He chose the will of God or his father's will above self-interest. John 6, 38. Okay, I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 4, 34. Jesus said unto him, my is to do the will of God. Okay, my meat is to do the will of God. This is the disciples, what they are interested in or what excites them is lunch. Jesus says, I have something that excites me too. And my meat, what I enjoy is doing the will of God. That's a very profound issue. If you talk to someone for any length of time, you'll discover what it is that flips their switch in life. What is there excited about? He says, I am excited about doing the will of God. John 5, verse 30. I get up myself and do nothing. As I hear, I judge. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Okay, why would Jesus choose the Father's will above his own? How can you do that in life? In the, in the daily decisions, because we're not just talking about one. There's, this was a life lived where ultimately he dies in, in submission to the Father's will. But for most of us, it's not a matter of one heroic event. It's daily. You wake up in the morning, you're going to face issues at work, face issues in the family, issues in your finances, your time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. How is it that you can keep the will of God and choose consistently the will of God? What kind of attitude does that require? Matt, or what, what were you going to say? Having a perspective and uh, understanding what's more important. Perspective, okay, that's the ability to see things in correct size. All right, now what is more important? That'd be true. Steve? Okay, so you have to know what God's will, and he says one component is coming and hearing God's will in, through preaching. Uh, Jim? Okay, long term. It's a long term view for the joy set before him. That's that's true. So another hand here, Sandy. He loved us first. Okay. Okay, so it is compassion for others. All right, trusting that God knows what's best. Yep, that's that's a profound, that would be a whole lesson in itself. Very good thought. Okay, he wanted God to be happy with him, yes. Uh, Bear? 
It's the power of just doing something like having every day. Our attitudes and emotions are shame. And it's actually a pleasure for you. I read the word on Okay. Okay, so you have, you have to create an appetite for it. Good? <laughs> okay, all right. So, but he, it was. It was the example he was setting for others. That's good. That's that's a good good point. Every person needs to have that. Okay. So the issue then is what is best for other people. Let's come back to our scripture now. Matthew three thirteen through fifteen. Jesus came from Galilee to John and reported to be baptized by him. John, are you coming to me? Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fill all righteousness in the about Okay, so baptism, I think it was one of the one of the guys asked this in breakfast uh, some weeks ago, but uh, baptism uh, is, a, is the, the symbol that you're going on record, I have repented from my sin. It's always connected, repent and be baptized. So I'm going to go on record that I'm going to continue with that decision. So he comes in our scripture to John the Baptist, I want to get baptized. And John the Baptist, recognizing... His character, he and and who he was, believing that he's the Messiah, he says, uh, "But but you don't need to repent." So he's saying, as a matter of fact, you should baptize me. Uh, why would I baptize you? And so Jesus uh, replies and says, "It should be this way for now. We should do all things that are God's will." So the the issue is the identification or the message that he is sending to other people. That is actually what he's talking about, is no, I don't need to repent, but there are people that are here who need to repent, who desperately need to identify with John's message of repentance. And so I am going to make a decision based not on my own need, but on what is best for other people. When we have that spirit, have any of you here, have you ever made a decision, you didn't really want to do it, but you knew that other people needed you to do it? You ever made a decision like that? I'm not real excited about this. But my kids need to see me do this, or or the people in the church, or new converts, or that that is a, an attitude, if that is ingrained, you are choosing to not put self-interest on the throne. So this is an attitude that was also modeled by the Apostle Paul. Philippians 1, 24. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Yeah, just verse 24. Is that all? Okay, so Paul is, is, is talking about the, uh, the possibility. If you, if you read him in the, the epistles, he, he recounts his, his ministry. I went there, I was, I was beaten with, uh, uh, with rods or with sticks. How many times? I was, I was in a shipwreck here. I was, uh, you know, tortured and tormented. All these bad, I was in, in peril and, and all these problems. And so, uh, gee, I could go to heaven. Or I could keep uh, living, doing ministry, and probably have to go through some more of this. He says, I don't really want any more of this. Okay, it's, it's not like, I do this because it's so rewarding every day, and people appreciate me. They just throw wads of $100 bills. It's fantastic. I love what I do. He says, I, I really would not want to do this anymore. 
Heaven would, is a tree. You ever have days like that? <laughs> just come quickly, Jesus. This be, I don't need any more that Buddy says, but it's needful for you. You need me to be around, so that's, a, that's my choice is not about me, it's about others. Philippians 2, verse 4. Okay, don't look after only your own interest, but the interest of others. Romans 12, verse 10. Okay, the word honor is a word of value. You value other people uh, uh, above yourselves. In other words, what is best for them? Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Okay, this is Paul now uh, speaking and, and uh, says of Jesus Christ and his example and the way that uh, uh, he lived. He was God here in heaven. He has worship constantly, you know, wealth beyond uh, imagination. And the Bible says that he willingly lowered himself. He's as high. He is the highest. He is the height. He lowers himself to become uh, like a man. And, the, and he's saying that is the spirit that we need to have, is I choose what's best for other people, not what's best for uh, our ego or for our uh, financial well-being sometimes or whatever issue is I choose what's best for other people. That is the way the will of God gets accomplished. That is the way things work best is when we have uh, that spirit. Okay, we had uh, some more comments or questions. Uh, open it again. Other things you want to add at this point. So this is submission. Something you want to ask or add. Patsy? Yeah, good. So she says that she was going to uh, witness to somebody and didn't want to do it. Says that Gary was encouraging her. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he did that tactfully as well, but. Uh, she didn't want to do it. She said, went not wanting to do it, and the lady wound up getting saved. And that is that is true. Good things happen even uh, when we submit our will, even if we weren't very happy about it. <laughs> Good. Somebody else? Something else you want to add or you want to ask? Okay, let's move on to our final uh, thought, and that's the results of submission. Need to get some more scriptures, maybe in this section back here at... Uh, Luke, uh, Lucas, read Matthew three seventeen. David Sanchez, Matthew seventeen five. Uh, Paul, Matthew twelve eighteen. Diedrich, uh, Matthew three sixteen. Joel, Mark one twelve. Uh, Riley uh, is Mark one eleven. Casey, Philippians two nine through eleven. Mike Maldonado, Matthew twelve 
15 through 18, one more, Rob Kennard, Matthew 10, 32. Okay, so God has a will. We can stop his will if self-interest rules. We can make a choice to submit our will. I'm going to do the will of God because that's what he wants and that's because what's best for other people. So the result of this we see in our scripture is submission pleases God. Matthew 3, 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son, with my well pleased. Okay, when he submits his will, the, a voice comes. This is supernatural. Is God testifies, I am pleased with this uh, attitude. Let me just throw in, we're going to have a baptism, uh, water baptism tonight. Water baptism is, is very profound. And so you have people who, you know, they've been saved and they never got baptized because it messes up their hair or, you know, people are going to see me or I'm shy. I don't know what to say or I'm scared of water or uh, all kinds of uh, things. I want to say to you, water baptism is a profound spiritual issue because you are saying something to God. You are saying, I value what you want to do, even if my hair gets messed up. Even if I'm, I'm shy or that may be embarrassing, I want your will more than I want my will. And the Bible says God testifies. And so this is uh, something that is absent in people who don't get baptized in water. So I'll throw that in. If you haven't got baptized, you need to get baptized tonight. Matthew 17, verse 5. This is my beloved son. Okay, this is, uh, um, uh, again, one of the, uh, during the turning point of Jesus' ministry, he's been living in submission. He's been ministering in submission, goes up on the mountaintop. Uh, Moses and Elijah appear. They're, they're uh, the representative of the law and the prophets and uh, speaking. And Peter, once again, has a better idea. God, I got a great idea. Let's just never move. Let's just live here. I'll build us a little shack and we'll just never go away. And the Bible speaks and says, God testifies, this is my beloved son. I'm happy with him, Peter. Listen to him, not you. Your ideas are not what I'm interested in here. And so that is a, a submission to the will of God. So the question is, why... Is submission so pleasing to God? Why would he have this audible voice? Here's two records. Audibly letting other people hear this. I am pleased with Jesus. Why is submission pleasing to God? Why wouldn't that make him happy? Well, because uh, he wants his will to go forth. And you have to have people that are willing to work with you to get it done. Okay, so the first and most important issue here is that is because it really can mean the salvation, whether or not people are saved or not saved. So that is a profound issue. Tim? Very good. Yeah, you both hit it out of the park. Very good. Uh... John Pratt. Yeah, that's true, but why does submission make God happy? 
thinking, is this him? Because he knows what's best. Okay, all right, so uh, that can be personal, the consequences to us. So he wants good things for us, so if we submit, that makes him happy, yep. Lucas? Yeah, yeah, okay, very good. That's true. Okay, Matthew 12, verse 18. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved and my soul's love, I'll put my spirit upon him, Okay, now this, this has the elements of what several of you said, is that uh, his, uh, uh, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I'll put my spirit, and he will show judgment to the Gentiles, or in other words, this was, uh, this was the ancient Bible way of saying, all over the world. In other words, if, if there is a spirit of submission... It's not just going to affect you in, in your house. Is It's going to spread beyond you. There's going to be, a, in, in fact, worldwide uh, influence uh, here. So look at, look at what is at stake when God is pleased with us. So it's, it's not just, uh, this is not just a, merely a matter of, of God smiling, you know, God looking down from heaven uh, smiling. This actually brings a supernatural dimension. And so let's think about this. Matthew 3, verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Okay, so now, now think about this, is that we have uh, uh, two supernatural elements. Jesus submits his will, and in submitting, we first of all have the testimony of God is, is the voice... Secondly, the Holy Spirit comes in a visible form. They can see this in the form of a dove, and it comes and rests on him, uh, the head or shoulders or something. So, but, but the question is, so, so what? What difference does that make? Is that, is that Jesus everywhere when he had the, the dove, you know, just could, you know, that's cool, huh? No, this is a supernatural dimension. It actually does something. Okay, number one. When God is pleased with you, this brings power over sin. Mark 1, verse 12. Okay, now, in, and in the wilderness is where he is going to be tempted. All right. It is what you decide in submission that determines what happens to you in temptation. Okay, because he has Holy Spirit power... The devil himself comes and tempts him, and he is able to stay on track. Why? Because he has something supernatural at work in him. That is a profound... That's why you need to please God. It's not just uh, doing the will of God. Are you going to be a missionary? It, it sometimes is as simple as, are you going to survive temptation? Are you going to be able to stay safe? Number two, in the supernatural realm, this brings dominion. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Okay, this is the follow-up. We read the first part, verses 5 through 8 before of Philippians 2. And that said, we need to have the attitude of Jesus Christ. 
I submit to God's will for other people's sake. We need to have that. Now, this is the follow-up to that. What happens when people submit their will? The Bible says that at the name of Jesus Christ, given a name, and at that name, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess uh, 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 that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so the issue is dominion. When God is pleased with you because you submit to God's will, something happens and that is supernatural dominion comes. That means your prayers work. That means there is an authority over uh, 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 spiritual powers. Matthew 12, 15 through 18. Okay, so here is uh, uh, Jesus, and and the Bible says uh, two statements. One is it's connecting to the prophecy, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. But the first part of that is that he has a, a, a healing power. Multitudes came, and he healed them all. That is not a mistake. Those two are connected. Is there is a supernatural effectiveness? I've heard many testimonies over the years, whether this is uh, a, a pastor who chooses to uh, uh, leave where he is and, and pioneer again, or someone chooses to go overseas, or or there's some change, and they've submitted their will to the will of God, and then bring back the testimony, I have never seen such effectiveness in fruitfulness or miracle power or dominion in some ways because those are connected. Is God is pleased. I I would rather do the I would rather worry about my own security or or make all my decisions. I'm never leaving the grandkids or or that's what I want. But instead someone who submits their will to the will of God, dominion is their portion. And God is able to help them. Finally, this brings the testimony uh, of God. Mark 1, verse 11. Then a voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved son, whom I should be welcome. Okay, and Matthew 10, 32. Okay, so the first verse obviously is Mark's version of, of what we read in Matthew uh, at the baptism, God being pleased. Uh, Matthew 10, that scripture is is uh, actually talking about, you know, confessing you before my Father. What is that all about? Is that is that only about when you die that uh, Jesus will say, yeah, yeah, I know him. Uh, and that no doubt is is true. But uh, if you if you study this, this is this is talking in in the here and now as well. Talk about prayer is that there is an identification. I identify with people who choose to please me to uh, uh, surrender their will. So there is a supernatural dimension at stake. Okay, we have time for some questions or comments uh, now. Betty? I think it's difficult for us to realize that we truly make a difference. We're just, you know, we're in this congregation that never trusted our own uh, who are we? And so we're steeped in this thing, um, the song that says, I did it my way. And David did it his way. Mm. And, and many people died over that. That was just one man. Mm. And a myriad of people 
indicted and God's will for an entire nation was was rerouted or, or, or had to go around in a, a detour in another way. And we make a difference. I mean, it'll just me. But I, we can kind of lose ourselves. Like in a big city, people lose themselves and they don't have to think about how it affects other people. But we, we as an individual, and as a world vision, this notion. Yes, we do make a difference. And that's some of you don't have the uh, the advantage of being able to see the work that God is doing through your labors. That is a, that's a profound issue. Tim? Trusting for others is a, yeah. Trusting that they're going to do right, you mean? What do, what do you mean? How's that? Yeah, I guess the word local, trusting right. Yeah, yeah, very good. Carol? that wants to be uh, out of authority needs to be under authority. In fact, I was thinking of uh, the centurion. Uh, there's two types of bosses. We have one that uh, rules by intimidation and one that rules by exemplarship. And God wants it by exemplarship. And as you submit, as you are under authority, that's exactly how disciples, that's how the kingdom of God works that gain authority because people begin to trust you. Yeah, yeah. Being under authority brings authority. Somebody else? Dennis? When submission brings great fruitfulness and good things. Lack of submission can bring great destruction as well. And uh, I think in America, we don't really understand the whole concept of the power and submission. We kind of, our culture is not designed that way. So we kind of take it cavalierly. But uh, I was thinking about how when I was fairly new in the church, there were men who would, who would preach, and their preaching would actually touch my life. You know? And to see them uh, betray what Pastor Mitchell entrusted in them and go their own way and do their thing, I wondered, did God make a mistake, and why were they so fruitful to begin with? And then I realized it was at the point where self-interest and self-will became enthroned. And they left the will of God that they were able to do this. Yeah, yeah. And so and rebellion is often where you can see it. Uh, we've had men that have left the path, left the ministry, left the fellowship, and then to see how that works out in in the congregation or the people's lives is, is very tragic. You can often see that. Okay, we'll close there. Service will start uh, at, at 1030. God bless you. You can be dismissed.